The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Ephesians chapter number 4, if you have a Bible close to you, we have been working our way uh, verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And it's one of these marvelous, marvelous books. Yes, boys and girls, thank you. They always let me know when it's time to go, all right? So have an awesome time, Kidsville. We're waiting for you. So God bless you all. The rest of us, Ephesians chapter number 4, and there's a transition. If you have your insert inside the bulletin, you can follow along with some uh, notes if you'd like to take those. But uh, by way of introduction, we have seen the breakdown between the first half of the book of Ephesians and the second half, starting in chapter 4, verse number 1. The riches in Jesus Christ we examined in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Now we've come to our responsibility. You know, it's wonderful to know all that I have in Jesus Christ, that's a blessing. My identity is in Christ, and yet the Bible says there are some responsibilities that go along with those riches. We saw doctrine, and we're going to see a little bit more today, but now, second half, we're going to focus on our duty. Uh, by the way, the duty of a husband, the duty of a wife, the duty of a church member, uh, the duty of an employee... The duty that we have to our government, all of that is laid out here in the last half of this marvelous book. Our wealth versus our walk, and that's really where we are right now. We've been focusing on our walk, and Ephesians 4.1 says that we are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And we saw all through these three chapters how the walk of the child of God is going to be different because we know Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, can I tell you something? You can't work this up from the inside or from the outside. This is a work of God inside, internal work, and it is fleshed out of our life. I can't try to be good. God has to transform my heart. I can't just Turn over another leaf. I need Jesus Christ. And so this morning we recognize the walk uh, really hinges on the great wealth that I have in my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessings versus behavior. So we're going to read just a couple of verses today, see how far we get into the text. The Bible tells us, therefore, verse 1, I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Catch this phrase in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now this is so critical because Unity within the church is so critical for us having an impact outside our walls. Can I tell you something? The, the greatest turnoff that anybody would have concerning a local church is for that church not to be united and at peace with themselves. I can't tell you how many congregations have literally gone through wars. And the truth is, we ought not to use our bullets on each other. They ought to be used on the enemy. Amen? Uh, we're not fighting each other. Uh, we have a greater enemy, and Ephesians 6 talks about our spiritual warfare. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, folks. That's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not what the church is about. Uh, we are wrestling, really, with higher 
powers, demonic powers. And so God here is allowing us to see that we ought to endeavor to keep it. We mentioned that this unity is something that naturally you would have as a church if we're all being filled with the Spirit of God. That unified heart comes when we're walking in the Spirit. And it's a wonderful thing. The reality is that we've got to keep working at it, endeavor to keep it. Sometimes churches can lose it. And uh, you have personalities that raise up heads, and it's got to be my way or the highway. Listen, what it ought to be in the church is it's got to be the Lord's way. Because the truth is, the Bible says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is his church. He's building it. Uh, We're five years into it and we're thankful for all that God's done. But let me tell you something. We're resting in Christ this morning. And we're designed for him to do that great work that only he can do. So let's look at this morning in our walk, the spirit. If we're talking about unity and we're talking about the spirit of the church, our, our, our title really is, is Unity and Diversity. Uh, by the way, unity is not uniformity. You realize that in the church, God is looking for all different kinds. Uh, every body part is a different part. And we all are unique, and yet we're all very valuable to the body. All right, the toe can't say to the head, I don't like being stuck in a shoe. Uh, The finger is not supposed to talk back here to the ear. Uh, All of them are unique and all of them are important. And there is uh, a diversity in the body to accomplish God's work. But there's also a unity in the body. And, And there has to be a balance here between the unified heart and spirit of the church as we move forward. Uh, Now, five years, we thank God for it, and we thank God for the unity that is of the Spirit, but we also thank God for the diversity that God has given to us here as a congregation. So just a few key words I want to focus in on this morning as we look back, uh, really, these first three chapters that we have looked at, and a little bit more topical this morning, I'm going to try to uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to help each of us to receive something this morning we can take with us uh, when we leave today. All right, let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for our time today. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for each guest that is here. And Lord, you know the need of every heart. God, your Holy Spirit is able to work to reprove of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Lord, to convict and rebuke uh, Christians that need to get back in fellowship with their God. Lord, I don't know the need of the hearts represented here today, but I do know that you know the need. And I ask God that you would be glorified as we open our hearts to your word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Number one this morning, as we look at Ephesians, really from chapter one through where we're reading, I want us to focus first on this thought of be encouraged. You know, as a church, we need to be encouraged. The Apostle Paul, as he writes that first chapter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talks about his blessings. Uh, Would you look at here verse number four with me? It's also on the screen. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings 
in heavenly places in Christ. The church needs to be encouraged today because we have been so blessed by our God. I hope this morning you realize that as we gather together as a church, we have so many blessings that we've received from the hand of God. I call this the miracle. Two years ago, our church is meeting in a small hotel room there at the Courtyard Marriott. Uh, Two years ago, uh, I'm sorry, two years ago last month, two years ago this month, we're in this building. A little bit of God's working uh, behind the scenes to bring us to the place that we are today. And it's all to God's praise and God's glory. And he has blessed us in so many ways. In the scripture, it talks about the blessings that we have because of our adoption into the family of God. Verse number 5. If you're a believer today, the Bible says in verse number 6 of Ephesians 1 that you are accepted in the beloved. Um, we, we studied that text and we saw it's only found, the Greek word's only found twice in the New Testament. One time concerning Mary, the Virgin Mary. And uh, the angel said, you are highly favored. It's the same Greek word. I want you to understand, from God's perspective, if you're a child of God, you are highly favored. You are blessed. You are accepted in who? In Jesus. Because of Jesus Christ, I have a right standing with God the Father. Because of Jesus Christ and His eternal sacrifice, He came to this world before the foundations of the world. The Bible says uh, that this work is done and He gave His life and His blood was shed and He was buried and placed in a grave and three days later He rose again. Listen, I have the the blessing of of being accepted in the beloved. I have the blessing of redemption, verse number 7. Purchased back uh, as as, as maybe a slave would be sold into slavery. God purchased me through his blood. And what a blessing it is to be redeemed. The thought of forgiveness is also found in verse number 7. Listen, I'm blessed Because as a child of God, my sin is forgiven. The Bible says, far as the east is from the west, that's how far God's removed our transgression from us. So I hope you're encouraged. I hope as a church family that we're encouraged and that we would recognize that God is working on our behalf. And by the way, we need to encourage each other. Saw an illustration here uh, on the uh, internet here this week on Thomas Edison, maybe some of the others. I'd not, I'd not known this. Uh, but uh, the little video that I saw had to do with the power of encouraging someone else. The story is Thomas Edison's a, a child. He's in elementary school. He's got a note. And this note was written by his teacher. And he now has to present this note to mom. He was told, whatever you do, do not read the note. And so he takes the note, and he brings it to mom, and he said, Teacher told me to bring this to you to give you the note. I don't know what it says. Uh, The teacher said I couldn't read it. Mom, what does it say? She opened up the note, and tears started to well up in her eyes. And there, as she uh, was desiring to compose herself, she simply read these words. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him 
and doesn't have good enough teachers teaching him. So from now on, would you teach him? And she looked up at her little boy. And he looked at her. And from that moment on, Mama taught Thomas Edison. Of course, we know all the great things that Thomas Edison later came to accomplish. Long after his mother passed away, he's going through her things, and he found that letter. And he opened it up. And he read it. And it didn't read like he remembered. Matter of fact, it was quite different than what he remembered. This is what the note actually said, and he placed it in his diary to remember that day. Your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He is expelled. The words of a mom to simply say, you are more than people think you are. Can I say something that you are more than you think you are in Jesus Christ? Listen, in Jesus Christ... We are everything. We are everything to him. Think about this. He died for you. And all oh, we ought to be encouraged with the reality of the blessing that we have because we are in God's family. Number one, as a church, let's be encouraged. Let's just be encouraged. And let's be encouraging one to another. Number two, I want to take the word enlightened. You know, when we progress from chapter 1 of Ephesians to chapter 2 of Ephesians, we see that there is a need for religious people to be enlightened concerning this one important truth. And the scripture tells us here in Ephesians chapter number 2, I've got uh, on the screens the verses, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. You know, there's a lot of religion today that is taking people straight to hell. Because religion is not about what you can do. It's all about what Jesus Christ has already done. Here it's not of works. It's not something that you can earn. If you came to the service today and thought, Boy, I'm going to try to earn some points with God today. I'm going to go to church. It can't be too bad because we're having tri-tip after. And uh, I'm going to get myself a, a coffee mug. Listen, uh, if you're here thinking somehow through some religious exercise that you're going to make some brownie points with God, it isn't going to happen. Because you can't earn your way to heaven. The Bible says it's a free gift. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. Why? Because then we could brag about it. See, our good works are ineffective. It is the finished work of Jesus that is effective. And that's why a little bit later on in Ephesians chapter number 2, it just talks about uh, Jesus Christ and what he did, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid my debt. And the blessing I have this morning is not only to be encouraged, but enlightened concerning the reality that it's not your good works that get you to heaven. 
It's Jesus and his work. Dying for me, being buried for me, rising again for me, his precious blood. Oh, that God would open up our eyes. You may be sitting here today, and this is brand new to you. I commend you for coming. I know I, I, I get awkward when I'm in new surroundings. I, it's just natural, isn't it? Human nature. It's like you show up and you think, well, people are going to stare at me, and I don't know anybody, and, and uh, this is all kind of strange. Uh, that's, that's how I feel. So I commend you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for putting yourself through that. Uh, I applaud you. And yet, listen, if you're here and you're hoping somehow by your religiosity that one day everything's going to be all right and you're just going to be with God because you're just a good person, it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that I need eternal life, but it's a gift that God's offering. I must receive Jesus Christ as my only way to heaven. Uh, God desires for your eyes to be opened. A couple of verses from 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. The Bible simply says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost. By the way, the gospel is just the good news story. That's all it is. It's the story that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again. So if that gospel, if that good news is hid, it's hid to those that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you blinded to the truth that Jesus has accomplished the work that my good works are going to fall short. Got a little slide here that kind of shows the great chasm here between me and God because of my sin. And, and the Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. Remember in the garden? What was it that uh, separated Adam and Eve from God? It was their sin. God had to provide special clothing, the innocent animal had to perish on behalf of the guilty as a forepicture of Jesus, the innocent Lamb of God that would have to die for my sins and for yours. So sin separates. So man comes along with his religion. And we see the next slide is this good works religion. I'm going to try to get to God through my good works, my religion, I'm a good church member. I'm going to do this duty and that duty, and, 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 and hopefully I'll get there one day. Well, my friend, that's not the way. There is no way that I can bridge this gap between myself and my God through my own effort. And although man has tried, we see that man fails because that's not the work that God is looking for. So the next picture shows the work. It's the work of the cross. It's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is the mediator between God and man. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a, a preacher or a pastor to get to God. You just need Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you have Jesus, you have everything. And all that today you would recognize your need 
for him. So as I personally trust in his finished work, that is what allows me access to God. And all this morning that you would see that reality as your own. First of all, let's be encouraged as a church for all the blessings. Number two, let's be enlightened concerning salvation and that it is a finished work and we just receive it as a gift. Number three, I want us to see that we're also enriched. And the Bible tells us that in chapter number two, going back to Ephesians, because it talks about the riches of both the mercy of God, verse 4, and the grace of God, verse number 7. Let's look at it. But God who is rich in mercy. I love that. You say, what's God rich in? He's rich in mercy. What's mercy? Oh, that's crying out to God not to give us what we deserve. I remember running around my dining room table with my mom with a switch in her hand. I can't tell you how old I was. I just remember I ran fast. And I remembered that I could run faster than my mom, and that's all I needed to do. And I just kept running and kept running. You said, you were a horrible child. I know it. I know it. I know it. And uh, she would come after me, and I would run. Why? And the whole time, what are you screaming? Mercy! Was I guilty? Absolutely. Did I do what I'm about to be punished for? Yes. Did I still want mercy? Yes. That's our nature, isn't it? Listen, we're all guilty before God. And all of us need this mercy of God. And aren't you glad that God's rich in it? He's rich in it. He's got plenty. You say, you don't know how much, I, I forgive this, I need, Pastor. Well, that's why this is such a wonderful verse. Because however much mercy you need, he's got it because he's rich in it. He's got enough, more than enough. Not only for you, but for everybody that's ever lived. Oh, it's a wonderful truth. I'm enriched. Why? By the mercy of God, but I'm also enriched by the grace of God. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, what is grace? Well, grace is unmerited favor or blessing. See, the mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. Two great illustrations is really the, the picture of heaven and hell. What's heaven? Well, heaven is this wonderful place that God's prepared. Jesus in John 14 tried to comfort his disciples, and, he, and uh, he's uh, encouraging them there. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And Thomas said, well, how do we know the way to this place? And Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's a wonderful truth. And so heaven's a picture of the grace of God. I don't deserve to spend eternity there. Neither do you. But aren't you glad that God is rich in grace? And aren't you glad that God is rich in mercy? Oh, to be enriched. If you're a child of God, you are. And so we go from being encouraged to being enlightened, uh, that good works don't save you, uh, to being enriched, to being excited. 
There's so many truths, and we don't have the time to go into the rest of chapter number two, but let me just point out just a few things. Number one, before Jesus Christ, the Bible tells me that I was far off, verse 23, of chapter number two. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God came seeking you? Aren't you glad that like one of those stray lambs, the shepherd is out looking, seeking the lost? That's why he came. Son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And here, as all of us are in the same fallen condition, we're all lost. It's a wonderful truth that God says that you that were far away can be made near. How? You see it there in that verse? It is by the blood of Christ. Through his work. Although I'm far away, I could be brought near. And that ought to get you excited. It ought to get you excited that the the passage also goes on and it talks about a forever family. Uh, The household of God is mentioned at the end of verse number 19. See, not only I was once afar off, but now I have a new family. I have a forever family. Now, thank God for my human family. I'm blessed because... So many of my relatives know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And although uh, we're separated by many miles, outside of my immediate family, most of my family's back in the Midwest. And uh, I, I enjoy every time I get to see them. But the truth is, I have a forever family that I'll get to be with forever. Now, some of those in my immediate family are also in my forever family. That's a blessing. But I've got some folks in my immediate family that are not in my forever family. Oh, we need to pray for our loved ones. We need to pray for those that don't know the Lord. But we need to be excited about the reality that, hey, I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of the household of God. Let's be excited about that. The next word is exalting. From the very beginning of Crown Point Baptist Church, there's one dominating thought that we've held as a church family, and that is found here in Ephesians chapter number 3, verse number 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We're all about exalting our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all about his glory. Uh, we don't do a lot of uh, applauding of men around here uh, simply because we, we really don't want to rob God of the glory due His name. Uh, we, we, we really are not all that entertainment-based here because really uh, we want to deflect our praise, our honor, our glory to God alone because the Bible says He's worthy of it. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created, Revelation 4.11. He's worthy of it. And the Bible says here, our focus as a church needs to be that there would be glory in the church. Not just in that New Testament age, but throughout all the ages. World without end. So what's Crown Point all about? It's all about elevating Jesus Christ. It's all about exalting Jesus Christ. 
What a blessing it is today as children of God to praise His holy name. Oh, that we would exalt Him. How do you exalt Him? We exalt Him through our praise, the praise of our lips. Ephesians 1.12 is a favorite verse of mine, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. That ought to typify the, the average Christian that we're living to the praise of His glory. And this morning, as a church, we're desiring to exalt our King. Oh, what a blessing it is, week by week, to come together to praise Him. And that brings us to chapter 4, verse number 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me just say this here about this endeavoring. You know, God's desiring for us to see that unity is something that needs, we need to strive for, but there are certain things that God provides for us to help us uh, really maintain that unified spirit. First of all, I want you to see the capital S in verse number 3 is in reference to the Holy Spirit of God. I believe this with all my heart. If you walk in the Spirit and I walk in the Spirit, guess what? We're endeavoring to keep the unity in the church. You know when things get out of whack in a church? When we're no longer walking in the Spirit, but we're walking in the flesh. That's where our ego takes the first seat. That's where our ego jumps us to the front of the line where we want what we want. It's a sad thing, but there have been churches that have been split wide open because of the coloring of carpet or the paint that's on a wall or because of this preference or that preference. And I tell you, if we're walking in the capital S spirit, you're going to be maintaining that unity that God desires for the church to maintain. And not only do we see the emphasis here on the Spirit of God, but we also see that that Spirit of God is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I think the previous verse, number two, gives us an inkling about how this unity is maintained by telling us, by the way, if the church can produce the fruit. Look at the fruit. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. My Bible tells me in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. What is this verse teaching about the church? That the unity of the church comes back to the Holy Spirit of God. And as The child of God is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And so we are going to be endeavoring to keep the unity. But the unity is rooted in the reality of the Holy Spirit having uh, ruling in our life. And then the Bible tells us in verse number 4, this thought, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You say, Pastor, what is that all about? 
And what does that have to do with unity? It has a lot to do with unity. Because what we are looking at here is simply God laying out for us the doctrine of the church. And I, can I tell you this? Doctrine is what both unifies the church, but it also shows our differences with those that are not the true church. For instance, the Bible talks about one body. Do you see that in verse number 4? The, the, the local church is called the ecclesia in the New Testament. And we have ecclesiology is a, a doctrinal term for the study of the church. So what do we have here? We have a doctrine that is elevated to cause us to maintain our unity. It goes on and it talks about the Spirit. One Spirit, capital S. Pneumatology. Here we have now the study of the Holy Spirit of God. It's doctrine. By the way, doctrine's not boring. I know a lot of times, a lot of churches today, you know, you tell a funny story, you tell a, you know, a couple jokes, you do this, you do that, and hey, we had a good time, let's go on with our we. We desire around here at Crown Point Baptist Church to equip the saints to build you up. And, and we build you up through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And part of that is understanding doctrine. You see, there is one body. That's a doctrine. There is one spirit. That's a doctrine. There's one hope. Oftentimes through the Bible, when you look at hope, you see it in the context of a, a, a blessed hope. And uh, we recognize uh, eschatology, the study of the last days, uh, comes into play. We can talk about one Lord, Christology, the study of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can talk about one faith, soteriology. That's the study of salvation. That's the doctrine of salvation. And by the way, if you're not clear on the doctrine of salvation, uh, you, you haven't really even started the Christian life. Oh, that we would recognize here that God's Word lays out how we can be saved and what Christ has done so that we can be saved. And then it closes in verse number 6 with one God. That's theology. Theology. That's the study of God. Theology proper. And so these little verses, it's just not, you know, Paul waxing eloquent and, and just trying to get you one, 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 one. He's trying to drive home a truth. That which unifies a church has got to be doctrine. And the doctrine has to be biblical. And when the doctrine is the unadulterated word of God, and that's what's proclaimed, and that's what's believed and embraced. I mean, there are, believe it or not, some places and some churches where literally they have to cut up the pages of the Word of God because there's some of it they just don't believe in. There's some evangelicals here very recently that signed a document, and, and there are some other kinds of churches here uh, that are all up in arms because they literally just wanted to define biblically uh, what um, uh, Bible marriage would be what God's eternal plan would be, and the flack that they got from churches. How dare you say God's in charge of gender? 
They couldn't believe it. How dare you say that God created a certain person the way he created them in the first place? How dare you say that you cannot be whatever gender you want to be just because you woke up that morning and said, this is what I want to be? You know, God made man, male and female. God did that. That's God's eternal plan. You don't even have to read far into the Bible to get that one. You know, I mean, you just start in Genesis, and all of a sudden it pops out, out of, out of the pages of God's Word. And yet you've got churches that are saying, hey, hey, let's get rid of that one. Let's get rid of this. Uh, let's get, there's nothing left to preach on because they're so politically correct that they refuse to just preach the Word. Can I tell you something? We step on toes around here. You say, do you do it on purpose? No, we just do it because we're Bible-preaching church. And when you preach the Bible long enough, guess what? God's going to step on all our toes, including the preachers. We're we're not gathered here just to hear wonderful platitudes. I hope you're here because you want to hear from God. You want to hear God's word, not man's word. You want to hear what God has to say, not man's opinion. And oh, when our hearts are focused on the word of God, even when it's a dart to our own heart, We yield, and we say, God, you're right, I'm wrong, whatever issue it may be. And oh, that we as a church would recognize that as we desire to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, we're also going to desire to endeavor to keep the unity in the bond of peace. We do that through being filled with the Spirit of God. We do that through bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God. We do that through doctrinally recognizing that God's Word is our final authority. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.